So once again, welcome to the Coffee and Heroes podcast. Uh, again, this is going to be a very film and television-centric podcast, uh, the main driving force of which will be a review of Venom. Uh, once again, joined by James. Hello. Uh, just to discuss the latest movie from the Sony slash Marvel universe. Uh, Sony seemed determined to hang on to Spider-Man with every last vestige of their being when they really should just let it go and let it go to Marvel. Uh, I mean, you look at how Spidey's treated in Infinity War and Civil War. It's it's excellent. Homecoming, yeah, I'm not a huge fan. It's more like an really? Iron Man movie. Uh, uh, you, yeah. I, I have my reasons. Will there ever be a podcast where you don't mention Iron Man? <laughs> <laughs> well, the problem with, um, for me anyway, with Spider-Man, and it's about to be the problem with Venom, this a little preview, um, is that everything is revealed in the trailers. The, the Sony have no idea how to market these movies. They... Yeah. They think they have to throw everything at the wall, something's going to stick, and people are going to go and see it. And Spider-Man made good money. Venom, I'll be curious to see the second weekend box office, because comic book fans will always make a first weekend successful. Uh, Batman v Superman proved that it was one of the biggest openings of all time, and then it just fell away. It had a massive drop second week. Um, of course, because they didn't release the extended edition in cinemas. Uh, another thing I have to mention every time. But um, superhero movies will always open well, but it's just how they do after that that is always curious. So I'll be, it'll be interesting with Venom because Venom has come along at a time where I kind of get the feeling there's a bit of superhero fatigue. I get the feeling that critics are very quick to jump on these movies and try and expose them or something. It's almost like they're annoyed that superhero movies do so well. <laughs> but then you get movies that come along like Infinity War and there's nothing you can say negative about that movie. You know? Nope. Casting, acting, you know, script, set pieces, emotion, pathos, character journeys. It's got a bit of everything. But then a movie like Venom comes along and it's... I mean, I'll just start off by throwing out quickly. I wasn't a huge fan. I went in with... I didn't go in with lowered expectations. I just went in with no expectations. I, I very rarely listen to critics anyway. Um, as proven by my love of BBS. <laughs> but... Uh, I just went in with a clean slate and I really struggled with the movie to be honest. I was with a group of five. Everyone else seemed to quite enjoy it. There was quite a bit of laughter throughout it but my general feelings were I wasn't a fan. Yeah, no, I'm like I enjoyed it, found it entertaining but overall as like an actual film I just, I didn't really like it. So, you know, the gags, the, the humour used in it and yeah, you know, some of the set pieces were, like I said, it was entertaining. You could sit and watch it, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't personally have went with, it was great. And yet everyone else who I was with yeah. said, oh no, it was, it was great. My sister really enjoyed it, which I was quite surprised at. Um, she says, nope, they got the relationship between the two spot on. I was like, okay. I was like, I don't know any Venom comics. To me, I just remember Venom from the animated series when yeah. I was a kid. And to me, what I saw on the big screen isn't how Venom is. You don't just, like you were saying before we started, you don't just go, I'm going to eat everyone and then see the city from like a skyline and be like, no, actually, actually I, I like, like this, this place. Yeah. For me, in the animated series, I remember the episode where he gets first introduced and, you know, he's just a wrecking machine. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm going to kill Spider-Man. I'm going to kill J. Jonah Jameson. I'm going to do absolutely everything to just murder everyone and I'm going to be okay with it. And, you know, to me, that's not what I saw on the screen. I was like, it's just I mean, like a it's, playful relationship. It's interesting saying that the relationship between them is well established, you know, with obviously your sister saying that. Yeah. 
I don't think it was at all because the whole point of a symbiote is symbiosis. The, the host and the symbiote are supposed to be in perfect sync. For the first half of the movie, it just bullies them. It, they're not, they're not, they're not in symbiosis whatsoever. It literally just bullies Eddie around, pushes him around, takes the piss out of him, laughs at him for having feelings for a girl but doing nothing about it, calls him a pussy, and the one good joke of the movie. There's, there's nothing in that that says to me like this is the perfect host for Venom. He just bullies him around, and at the very end, yes, they seem to have obviously got in sync and, you know. Eddie can actually say to him, we're not doing that, some ground rules, this and that. So there is, quote, symbiosis by the end. But for f- half of that movie, maybe even two-thirds, it just it's basically just a vessel for Venom to jump around the place. Um, but yeah, I mean, going back, I mean, the very quick sort of starting point. So Eddie Brock is played by Tom Hardy, his girlfriend, Michelle Williams. It was interesting listening to Vicky turn around to me and go, is that her from Dawson's Creek? Uh, should, yeah. You know uh, I, I don't watch Dawson's Creek now. Well, we've established you don't watch quality stuff. Um, <laughs> so, Thanks. Uh, when you talk about your childhood, I talk about mine. <laughs> Dawson's Creek was awesome. Um, you know, you've got, oh, what do you call the guy who played the bad guy? Rezaned. Yeah. Um, He's from Rogue One, isn't he? Uh, I remember very little about Rogue One other than Donnie Yen uh, yeah. as the blind samurai Jedi, which was totally badass. <laughs> Uh, I don't remember much else about that movie, in fairness. I'm pretty sure it wasn't. Um, so he's the bad guy in it. And I... Like, Tom Hardy's one of my favourite actors. Tom Hardy's one of those guys that... When people say who should be the next insert character here, I nearly always say Tom Hardy. Hmm. Who should be the next James Bond? Tom Hardy. Who should be the next Wolverine? Tom Hardy. And then you watch something like this, and I, oh, I struggled the whole way through this with it. The character is an asshole, is the bottom line. And I had a chat with Keith about this, and Keith was saying, well, Eddie Brock is a loser, you know, that's his character, and this and that. And that's fine, and that's why Venom ultimately becomes a symbiote with him, because Venom was a loser on his world. They've got something in common. But at the very start, he blatantly lies to the woman he's supposed to love. He's like, oh yeah, I'll just go there and ask the questions. I won't get in trouble. Straight away, doesn't do that. (laughs) Hacks into her computer so he can see uh, email documents and defense cases and lies to her, loses her. But you can't feel sorry for him because it's all of his own making. And that, that's what's strange about it. And then by the end of the movie, I should have prefaced, by the way, at the very start of this. Spoiler warning. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll record a wee intro just to, to say this. But we are just going to chat about the whole movie. But at the very end... Yes, he's achieved symbiosis with Venom, but he's still lying to her because she's like, oh, I'm sorry Venom had to leave you. And, you know, so she thinks Venom's gone. So he's lying to her about that. Venom's saying in his head, we're going to get her back, Eddie, even though she's clearly happy. And the doctor helped him the whole way through the movie. And he still wants to screw him over and get this girl back. <laughs> you know, the, the doctor does everything to help him. Um, even though Eddie's an absolute dick. Uh, <laughs> I, I just I find it hard to get behind movies when you don't like the main character. If there's a good supporting character, that can sometimes bring it through. But I didn't think there was one like the most likable character in this movie was the Doctor. Yeah, I um, don't. I personally don't like Michelle Williams due to that whole money in the world fiasco. That's a lot of nonsense. So I I I disagree with you on that. Fair enough. <laughs> She's totally within her rights to say why is he getting paid this amount and I'm not. 
Um, if anything, she should be shouting at her agent because maybe they brokered the deal or whatever and just said, oh, yeah, sign this, or maybe kept the information from her. I, mean, I don't been, know, but I think she's right to stand up for herself in that format. I'm not saying don't stand up for herself. It was just like, you know, Mark, it wasn't Mark Wahlberg's fault, like, but she made it out as who it was. And I was like, well. No, she was just using his pay grade as an example, and the fact that he gets paid what he gets paid is already ridiculous. Um, <laughs> the man can't act. Apart from Boogie Nights, which is a masterpiece. Um, Would you believe me if I said I haven't seen that either? Uh, well, I know you haven't seen any movies before 2009, so... Uh, Heat, come on. That was your first one of your first times watching? No one. Anyway, back to Venom. Uh, yeah, so, as I said, I hate being negative on this because, one, I'm a massive comic book fan, obviously... Uh, two, I want all comic book movies to do well. I'm not so territorial about DC Marvel when it comes to movies. I want them all to be good because if a movie's good and it does well, that inspires them to make choices where maybe they make movies that they wouldn't have made 10 years ago. You know, would we have got an Ant-Man if Avengers wasn't good? Would they take a punt on Captain Marvel now if, you know, uh, Infinity War didn't do so well? So I, uh, I want every comic book movie to do well, but... The goalposts have moved for what is a great comic book movie, and this was 90s era, you know, I wouldn't put it far away from, I wouldn't put it quite as bad as Catwoman, which some reviews have said, it wasn't that bad, <laughs> there were some decent parts in it, I thought the design of Venom was good, I liked that they made Venom a really hulking presence, and that any time he shifted back to Eddie, Eddie actually came down, you know, back to normal height, there was nice touches through it. But I'd probably put it in like not far ahead of something like Green Lantern. So Ooh. when we came out, Keith said to me it's better than Suicide Squad. Now I had a problem with that comment because I think the first 30 minutes of Suicide Squad are really solid. Yep. I think the rest of the movie is pretty terrible, like really terrible, such wasted opportunity. But I, um, I do think Suicide Squad overall was better than Venom, which I'm sure will get me a lot of shit in the shop for saying that. But I'm used to it. I get it all the time. Uh, yeah, so, f I mean, we'll, we'll just wrap it up quickly. I mean, I, I don't want to go into too many spoilers. You know, I know we said spoilers anyway, but uh, there, there's not much of the movie to ruin. No, also, you can just tell that, you know, the 40 minutes that Tom Hardy came out and said there were 40 minutes yeah. cut, you can tell it was cut, like you said, 85-minute run oh, time. Oh, big time. Also, with the... This is a big spoiler, but, you know, at the very end, the rocket explodes, and he's like, you know, bye, Eddie. And then the very next day... We need to get her back at it. It's like, oh, yeah. oh, you survived? Yeah. Oh, you survived? It's like you can tell something was cut there, like, indefinitely. Yeah. Because <laughs> you don't, you know what I mean? Like, that's just... It's so, just that you, uh, you can yes. tell that the tone of the movie just shifts all over the place. And if it had another 30, 40 minutes in there, it might not have seen some jarring. But, like, a good example, you have this horrific scene in a restaurant where Eddie's jumping about, eating things and jumping in fish tanks and... You know, it's obviously being played for laughs, but then a scene not long after that, he's confronted by Michelle Williams and he sort of says, I'm scared. And it's a really great, powerful character moment where he is afraid and he's asking her for help, not because of their previous relationship or he's trying to get her back. It's just he trusts her. And it jumped from one extreme to the other within five minutes, whereas maybe if you have an extra 40 minutes in there, there's progression. You know, as anybody who listens to any of these podcasts knows, I mean, I extol the virtues of BBS and its extended cut simply because it allows the story room to breathe and character development. This had zero character development. It was literally, I hate this world. I want to bite people's head off. This is a nice view. You're a loser, Eddie. 
I'm going to stand protected and risk everything I've ever done um, to fight what Venom even says. At one point, Riot is infinitely superior. They have zero chance of stopping it. But he's like, oh, we'll, we'll try anyway. Um, the ending sequence on the rocket, the fight, I thought was horrifically done. It was... You know, there, there's better fights in movies like Blade that was 20 years ago than, than was at the end of this. It just... Again, I mean, I... I wanted to enjoy this movie because the director, Ruben Flesher, directed Zombieland. And that, to me, is a perfect blend of horror, action, comedy, characters. Yep. This, this had none of that. And again, you can, just, you can just see the studio interference paw prints all over it. And we all should have been worried when, as you say, Tom Hardy came out before the movie and said, oh, by the way, my favorite 40 minutes was cut. Seems to be the way of the world these days with superhero films in particular. You know, it's like... Oh, so much time was cut from it. Yeah. Why don't you buy the extended Blu-ray limited edition 4K yeah. release for an extra forty bucks? And you know, yeah. well, you'll get that. And like, get but why? Movie. Why should we? Though? Why should we be paying more for what should have been released to start with? It's kind of the world we live in now. Just with yeah. not just with movies, but even with something like computer games. I mean, you look at Spider-Man's been released, big game, big hit, really, um, really well received. But within a month, it's like, oh, here's your first DLC. Here's your next DLC. You know, release complete games, release complete movies. Yeah. You know, don't make people have a bad opinion of something and then go, oh, but actually, wait, do you see this? I mean, we, we chatted before about Deadpool 2. Now, yep. again, I wasn't a fan. Um, but, of course, it's the super-duper extended cut. Just release the full movie in cinemas. Trust your audience that are going to watch it and that they're going to enjoy it. They're going to spread good word about it and, therefore, it'll make more money at the cinema. Have you heard the latest about that, by the way? No. They're basically releasing something, I think it's someone called The Deadpool Before Christmas on like a couple of days before Christmas Day and it has, uh, what do you call your actor from Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Matthew Broderick. Yeah, it has him in it and it's basically just a couple extra scenes of like him, Deadpool reading him a bedtime story but it's an end, the actual film. I was like, why? Yeah. Like, why would you... Why because they know that, that people will buy it just before Christmas. It's, it's flogging a, a movie that they've already made money on but... It's just, just make one, I mean, I'm going to sound so old-fashioned here, but I miss the days where, like, one movie, it was just the movie that released in the cinema, that's the definitive movie. Yeah. There's always going to be curiosities, things like Superman 2, Donner got fired halfway through it, someone else came in to finish it, we wanted to see what Donner wanted to do. A more recent example, again, banging the drum, but, you know, Justice League, uh, Zack Snyder has a certain vision, got halfway through it, left, Joss Whedon took over. So there's certain curiosities like that, but... What I love about the Marvel Universe, for example, and all the Marvel movies is the movie you get in the cinema, that's what you get in the home video. Yeah. You might get the odd deleted scene, that's cool, but they don't go, here's a bigger cut, here's a longer cut. They're, they're so in control and so confident with their movies. What they release in the cinema, Infinity War nearly three hours, no problem. It deserves to be. They, they just have the right idea. Yeah. And Sony still just don't know what to do with this Marvel-esque universe, but they don't want to let it go. Um, I mean, for me, Sony, the one thing it looks like they're getting right in all of this is the Spider-Verse movie, I think, looks really charming. The animated one, um, admittedly, I didn't need two trailers for it at the start and the end of uh, Venom. <laughs> and, yeah. No, just, Venom to me was, yeah, it was a disappointment. And a lot of that, again, is due to the fact the comic series at the moment is so ridiculously strong with Donny Cates and Rand Stegman. Such a great series, only seven issues in, but it's fantastic, and I think Venom deserved more than what it got. And Tom Hardy, to his to his credit, I may have not have liked his performance, but he was committed to it. You know, he was 
he didn't do it half fast or phone it in Mark Wahlberg style. Um, he, there was nothing paint by numbers about this performance. Like he threw himself at it, and again, it 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 almost reminds me of what could have been with Leto's Joker and Suicide Squad. Threw everything at the performance, had it completely cut to shreds, and then people just thought it was weird. Yeah, you know, it's just like a guy in banner more than an actual yeah you know, psychopath. But uh, no, I'll finish off this review with my final damning verdict, which is I enjoyed Predator more than this. <laughs> and that's saying something. <laughs> that, that does say I something. I genuinely found Predator more entertaining. I thought the set pieces were better. I thought the action was better. Again, another movie that's been chopped to shreds. But I probably laughed at Predator more than I laughed at this. I thought the action was better in Predator. Um, and I really didn't expect to say that, but... Like I said, entertaining, but just not what I was hoping for. Yeah, I mean, we'll fire out marks there, because I know you love your marks out of ten. Um, three, maybe. Four out of push. No, 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 I'll stick with three. Three? Okay, yeah. And, yeah. I said six or seven. Yeah. So there you go, that's Venom. Um, again, I will put a spoiler warning at the start of this, just in case you haven't seen it, but a lot of our customers have seen it already, and people who would check this podcast out, so... Um, <clears throat> I mean, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. You know, there's there's bigger Venom fans in the world out there than myself who maybe noticed more things that I didn't. What I will say, there was one cool little nod in it. Uh, well, actually, two cool little nods. One was where they talked about the uh, astronaut was Jameson. Yeah, I so like that. So, J. Jonah Jameson's yeah. son. They used that origin, obviously, in Spider-Man 3, but also going back to the animated yeah. series. And one other little nod, and this is more of a comic booky thing, but there's this prevailing theory in comic books that in the Marvel Universe their comics are DC. That's what they like would pick up from the comic store. In the DC universe, they would pick up Marvel comics from their comic store. And in this, there was a point where Michelle Williams' character saying, what, is this like his kryptonite? A little nod to DC comics. Ah, so yeah. again, just a little, a little touch there, which I thought was quite nice. Um, maybe I was just so desperate for anything DC. I'm Stan Lee's cameo. Hey. Stan Lee's cameo, yeah. I mean, he's... Uh, <laughs> Fair play. Um, he is not looking well at the moment, but he still probably gets the biggest cheer of anything in the whole movie. Uh, yeah. So anyway, we'll leave it there with uh, with Venom, and uh, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll just break down a little bit of the movie news and TV news from uh, from recently. Okay, so we're back again after our Venom review. Uh, what we're going to do now is just go through a little bit of uh, news and previews for upcoming movies and TV shows. There's been quite a lot of trailers dropping recently. Uh, we're actually recording this while the New York Comic Con is still going on. Yep. Um, you know, For example, an Aquaman trailer dropped yesterday. Well, short film, as people <laughs> are labelling it. Um, there, there's been more TV news from New York Comic Con that I'm more interested in, to be honest, but... Uh, things like Deadly Class has been shown the first episode, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, they've showed the first episode. Uh, the buzz from both of those is very good, but I haven't seen footage myself, so can't really chat about it. Uh, but yeah, just recent trailers that have dropped, as I say. Uh, there's five that really sort of stick out. We'll start with that Aquaman one, just because obviously it's so fresh. Uh, yeah, I mean, I will say first of all that I thought the trailer was a wee bit too long. Trailers, trailers to me are supposed to be teasers, 90 seconds or less for what's going to be in the movie. And this one, they almost showed an entire set piece. Uh, they showed what they were going through the desert for. They showed what Arthur's supposed to be doing. They showed that he's going to be fighting Ocean Master. They showed, they showed a bit too much. And don't get me wrong, it all looked great. I watched it on a big screen. I waited till I got home, stuck it on through YouTube, on the TV. 
you know, I, I'm I'm a big fan of doing that. You know, even if it means I have to wait an extra couple hours, I won't watch a trailer on a phone or an iPad. You know, for me, trailers are at their most effective when you see them before a movie. You know, I, I love trailers before a movie. Yeah, they're good. Um, and one of them we'll talk about, for example, was on before Venom. But uh, I thought Aquaman, I think it looks really good. It looks really bright. It's got a bit of an Indiana Jonesy vibe to it. Yeah, that chase sequence that it showed was, I actually, it was well, like, shot. Really well, so it looked like one long continuous take yeah. as well, and then it sort of followed Mira the whole way across rooftops while a character, of course, you can't see the actions I'm, you know, acting out here. Uh, so she's running across rooftops as a character's running after her below, and then it comes over here, and then here's Arthur, and then he's fighting Black Manta, and it looks it looks visually very yeah, impressive a, yeah. and very interesting. You know, you know, just to jump back very quickly to Venom, for example, it just all looks so dark and boring. I thought. Concerned Venom is such a visual character, but Aquaman I thought looked really bright, really hopeful. Um, I thought the casting looked good. The humor looked. Uh, there was bits of it I thought were quite funny. Um, I did like his line of "I could have just pissed on it." I did think that was funny, uh, but then there were other jokes that maybe they're making it a bit too jokey. I don't know. That's just my take. But yeah, just no more. I'm not really uh, like I'm not really so much a fan of, but. Yeah, no, I enjoyed this footage. It was good. I just I wish that it didn't show so much. This is where they're really trying to be like, come watch our film. <laughs> well, it, I suppose it depends how long the movie is. I mean, one of the problems, again, going back to Venom, was that with it being so short, there was no room for any surprises in the movie. Yeah. There was no footage in the movie that you didn't see in trailers. You know, in the trailers you saw Riot fighting Venom. You saw the motorbike chase. You saw... The fight in the apartment. You, I mean, you even saw the last scene of the movie in the trailers, which was in the grocery store. Yeah. And because they'd set it up early in the movie where Eddie couldn't do anything when she was being robbed, you knew that scene was coming. So when it gets to the very end, you're like, that's how they're going to end the movie, really, with something we've seen in the trailer. But again, I need to stop talking about Venom. Uh, but yeah, Aquaman, I thought it looked on point. I thought I liked the cast in it. I think the cast is fantastic, actually, because although you may not be sold in Momoa, you know, you've got Amber Heard in there, you've got Dolph Lundgren in there, you've got Patrick Wilson in there, you've got Nicole Kidman in there. I think it's a really impressive looking cast. Patrick and, uh, Wilson? He's playing Ocean Master. What? Yeah. I love Patrick Wilson. Yeah, so it's, um, so I, I, I'm really looking forward to Aquaman. It looks like it's coming out at the right time of year, Christmas, everyone's chilled out, everyone just wants something bright and entertaining. I, you know, I'm going to make a really bad joke here, but Aquaman will have the depth of a puddle, but it'll be a lot of fun. It's my take. So... <laughs> We shall see. Directed by James Wan as well. I love That's James the thing. Wan. He's very visually interesting. Yeah. And he knows how to direct action. So oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think DC might be on the winner there, similar to Wonder Woman. Yeah. It, it looks like, a, I don't want to say a male version of Wonder Woman, but it kind of looks like that in that it looks like it's not bothered about the whole DC universe. It's let's make a movie just about this character and let's make it self-contained. So I think that's what DC need to do moving forward. Yep. I will say DC. DC Warner Brothers. Yeah. Um, so we'll jump from that on to, uh, we might as well just finish off the DC one. Yeah. Uh, so DC have this new uh, streaming service starting soon. It hasn't been announced for Europe just yet. It's called DC Universe. It's been announced for the States, but not over here. I know that some of the shows over here are going to be carried by Netflix. Because uh, I know Titans is going to be, for example. Oh, interesting. Um, but yeah, the, the DC Universe uh, streaming service is going to have tons of um, direct to that streaming service content. So... One of them is Titans, one of them is they're making Swamp Thing, they're making Doom Patrol, they're, re they're doing a new season of Young Justice. 
But the recent trailer they dropped was just a wee sixty seconds, yeah, if even forty-five yeah. seconds, uh, for the Harley Quinn animated series. Now Harley's a character for me that is totally blown out of proportion. You know, she's a supporting character uh, rather than someone who will lead an entire show. But what I liked about this little vignette that they showed was that it was all about the back and forth with Poison Ivy. Yeah. You know, Harley needs a character to bounce off, otherwise she just comes across as cookie and weird. Um, I didn't realize Penny from Big Bang Theory was voicing her. It didn't annoy me as much as I thought it would, but at the same time, Tara Strong's alive and well. Why she's not just doing the voice like she did in the Batman animated series. Oh, I was going to say, was that the animated series one? Yeah, well, she also did the Arkham games. Um, oh, okay. So to me, you know, if you've got that voice actor there, just use them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. Uh, also maybe a wee bit of a foreshadowing for Gotham City Sirens because I know that is a film there yeah I mean that's something that was recently announced they've got um, Mary Elizabeth Weinstead on as Huntress there was, so she the only thing I really know her from although someone said Scott Pilgrim's plays Ramona oh yes she's also in Die Hard 4 as Lucy McLean Oh, the uh, the Cloverfield one. Um, Cloverfield para Cloverfield Lane. Yeah, yeah, that's um, it. Oh, that's so she's been um, hired to be Huntress. Uh, they've cast Black Canary, which of course got internet fanboys going because it's a black actress. Why are you making this character black? It should have been white people would have complained. If there were Hispanic people would have complained. If she was black people would have complained. People are too sensitive about this stuff. Maybe just hold off till it comes out and then judge. Yeah, if it even comes out, let's be honest. I think this one will because yeah. Margot Robbie's in it as well as Harley Quinn and, oh, and Warner Brothers seem to love her. You know, yeah, and, they, you know, she sold a lot of merchandise, a lot of toys. Despite your feelings on Suicide Squad, she was well, the most I, unanimously I like praised yeah. character. So she's going to be in it. There's been big rumours that Ewan McGregor's going to play the bad guy in it as well. Black Mask, Ooh. which could be really interesting. That would be interesting. Um, so yeah, that's slightly off topic. Uh, yeah, the, the Harley Quinn animated series trailer. That looked fun. That looked disposable. Um, we'll wait and see. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we'll move away from that animated one to some Marvel animated, although it is, again, Sony Marvel. And that is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Love it. I just love the look and feel of it, the tone of it tone of it's fantastic uh they seem to have really nailed the fun in being spider-man but also the responsibility uh of being spider-man again we go back to venom quickly because there's a spider-verse trailer showed before it and then at the end of venom one of the after credit scenes is actually a scene from spider-verse uh i would wager that the scene after the credits for spider-verse was more entertaining than venom because <laughs> it was a lot of fun it had you know miles morales trying to drag an unconscious peter parker along um grabbing on the trains getting away from the police uh i thought this looked really really fun yeah the animation style to me i know you said you liked it i like it yeah it's very like 2.5 d slash yeah cell shaded, that kind of i thing. think on a i think in the home video or on tv it'll look good but i think on a big screen it'll look a bit cheap I take away from that. you know you look at how beautiful beautifully animated movies that Pixar do you look at the DreamWorks stuff you know there's a lot of efforts in that Studio Gilby yeah well, you know yeah. it's so it's um, I'll be curious to see how it looks in the end but you know the writing of it looks absolutely perfectly on point and I'm really looking forward to seeing this actually so the voice acting as well yeah I mean you got a very quick sense of Nicolas Cage as Spider-Man Spider Noir. Noir yeah <laughs> you know it. Nick Cage is whoring it about at the moment he plays Superman and Teen Titans Go and then he's playing does he? yeah <laughs> 
then he's playing Spider-Man Noir in this, so he's uh, no affiliation for either studio, clearly. And Haley Steinfeld is Although Spider-Man. In, in fairness, um, yeah, in fairness, Nick Cage obviously played Marvel's side with Ghost Rider as well. Oh, yeah. But then he was cast as Superman, but ultimately never happened. Um, and Tim Burton's Superman Lives. Can you imagine that? I would have loved to have seen that. Would have been something. It would have been, Tim Burton. It would have been unique. That's the thing. <laughs> and, you know... I would have loved to have seen that movie. It might have been a train wreck. Who knows? But I, I, I like Kevin Smith scripted it. Kevin Smith's a huge geek, big Superman fan. I was really curious. Yeah, maybe there's a great documentary on it, um, which was called Whatever Happened to Superman Lives. Um, sorry, The Death of Superman Lives, beg your pardon. And it goes into everything. There's interviews with Tim Burton. There's interviews with Kevin Smith. There's behind-the-scenes test footage. Seek it out if you haven't seen it. It's really, really good. The only person they didn't get any retrospective interviews with was Nick Cage, unfortunately. But really, really good documentary. It's always nice. So, uh, yeah, that's Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. Go from there. This is trailer that's been out for a little while, but we'll throw it in. Captain Marvel. Um, me. I'm, I'm looking forward to it still, you know. I like it. It looks like a female Green Lantern movie. <laughs> you know, she's a fighter pilot. She's in a green uniform. Something happens to make her go off-world. I don't know. The only thing I would say about this trailer... Look, I I love the Marvel movies, so I'll, I'll be seeing this opening weekend no matter what. But I, when I watched this trailer, I was sort of like, meh, that was all right. And then I moved on to whatever was next. I didn't think about it again. I couldn't pick out any moments from the trailer right now off the top of my head. And usually with trailers for these movies, I'll watch them a couple of times. But in this case, one and done. This Brie Larson looks hot. <laughs> yeah, well, you say that, but a lot of people say she looks really bored in the role, like she can't act. Some people have said that. No, yeah. I mean, she just, just won the Academy Award for nothing, didn't she? <laughs> Hal Berry won the Academy Award and then did Catwoman. Academy Awards mean dick. Shh. <laughs> I love watching them, okay? Why? Like, yeah, I'll be honest, right? Fun. I used to love watching the Oscars, and now I have, I have no time for them. I um, still find it really... Like, I mean, just the film, like the... For me personally, the period between now and when the Oscars, you know, ceremony happens, you get some real top quality films. But that also shows everything that's wrong with the Oscars because the Oscar voters don't remember what came out over a year, only what comes out in the three months leading up to the Oscars. It's it's a, just a popularity contest. I hate the Oscars now. Ever since Inception was completely ignored, um, because Inception for me was the definition of a movie that pushed the boundaries of the movie format it was a blockbuster but it was cerebral it gave you plenty to think about it was visually stunning the score with by Hans Zimmer was amazing the performances were great the cast was great and yet a shitty movie about a rich entitled prince learning how not to stutter won all the Oscars Oscars are a joke now they've been a joke ever since Return of the King won everything once it won everything that was almost like them going we've acknowledged popular movies right back to the you know the award worthy stuff the only um, thing that's going to annoy me this year is the obviously the introduction of the most popular film category it's not, it's not happening this year they moved it, it oh, uh, did they, they? yeah they cancelled it ah oh um, I mean I think there was more I think they thought this was a good idea and then there's just been a massive backlash to it yeah no, um, no shit so <laughs> a lot of people it's, uh, they've removed that I think they're reevaluating it or something I, I don't know don't know the ends of it you can't see me but I'm doing air quotes yeah reevaluating. <laughs> so uh, but anyway that was slightly off track from yeah Captain Marvel as I say I trust Marvel implicitly at this point so whatever they serve up I'm going to go and see but the trailer just for me in general was a bit yeah it was alright 
which brings us finally to uh, Dark Phoenix. Nope. Uh, Dark Phoenix, clearly Simon Kinberg, who is directing this, didn't um, feel satisfied at ruining the Phoenix saga once because he wrote X-Men 3. Um, I understand his reasons for wanting to do this. He has even acknowledged that that was not a good representation of that story. So he wanted to do a good one. The problem with this for me is that, you know, this should be X-Men who've been together 15, 20 years. And then there are real stakes when this happens to Jean and they want to help her. And, but they're all just, they're all kids in this. It's, it just sort yeah, of it's... devalues the story somewhat, I think. Yeah. And they're just, ru- it's almost like they're rushing to get it all done because, well, I say rushing, they've delayed it twice. Yeah. Uh, but they're rushing to fit this story in because, oh crap, Disney or Bam Fox, that means they're going to get the X-Men. Oh crap, we need to finish off what we're doing. Let's go with the biggest possible story. Um, the X-Men movies through Fox have been hit and miss. Loved First Class. Absolutely adored Days of Future Past. Yep. Hated Apocalypse. Yeah, Apocalypse um, and it's the same with the Wolverine movies because X-Men Origins Wolverine was terrible. The Wolverine was alright. And Logan was a masterpiece. Yep. So the Fox are very hit and miss with these things. The way I say I have implicit trust in Marvel, I don't have in Fox <laughs> or in Sony as well when they're doing the Marvel, the Marvel products. Um, Trailer-wise, eh, again, I can't remember how much They tried to put such a real dark tone, like emphasise how you know, bad this is for her. and then, But like you said, it's... If this had been the original cast, Rio even reuniting yeah. would have been superb. But well, the that's fact it. That just as a one-off movie. Yeah, you know, the fact that it's the young cast who, which in, I'm pretty sure in Apocalypse were just at getting to know each other. Yeah. You know, they haven't known each other all that long. And like you said, they're still kids. They still look like children. They're barely even a team um, yeah. at this point, you know, apart from the older ones who are trying to put it all together. I mean, it's no coincidence that the most loved characters in these Fox movies tend to be Magneto and Professor X. Even Storm looks like she's, like, got younger by about <laughs> twenty odd years. Yeah, but no, we'll see with Dark Phoenix if it ever comes out. Um, Fox have delayed it and delayed it. Same with New Mutants, delayed I think it and it's delayed been about it. Five times now. If I'm being I honest. think both movies were supposed to already be out. Yeah, they at were. This point. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, we'll see with that one. I mean, I'll probably end up seeing it because again, I'm a sucker for all these movies. I know I sound so negative all the time, but. I do genuinely just want all these movies to be amazing. Um, so yeah, that was just a wee, a quick brief uh, breakdown of the trailers that dropped recently. I'm sure by the time this goes out, there'll be another new trailer or two <laughs> dropped because of the NYCC, but we'll see. Uh, so we'll move away from trailers and just on to a little bit, just a very quick discussion about some set photos that have come out recently. Uh, again, one DC, one Marvel. Um, we'll go with the Marvel slash Sony first, just because I always get accused of talking about DC first. <laughs> Uh, so Mysterio, uh, not Ray Mysterio Jr. as some people pointed <laughs> out, uh, but Spider-Man villain. Uh, looks like Jake Gyllenhaal is yeah, looks official like that's then. Him. Yep, that's, he's in the he's in the footage. He's in the photos. They never properly announced it though, did they? There they, was no, loads of rumors and loads yep. of he's close to signing on, and some people, myself included, thought it was a bit of a power play because yeah. he was outed as Matt Reeves' choice for Batman if um, Affleck stepped away from the role. Yep. So I almost thought it was a bit of, well, if you don't sign me up soon, I'm going to go and do this. Yeah. But then these set photos emerge, and that looks he's pretty there. legit. Yep, he's, he's there. Um, I'm very excited. I love Gyllenhaal. Um, I think anything he touches just is amazing. Um, and I really like Mysterio. I think it's a really interesting character. And it'll be interesting to see how 
this story comes about, obviously because it's after Avengers yeah. 4 next year. So, you know, it'll just be interesting to see what happens, but I'm really looking forward to Mysterio. Just yeah. to see what, how they do him, how they portray him. Because yeah. he is, as I was, we were talking about last time a bit, our last podcast, he's an optical illusionist. So, you know, um, with all they can do nowadays with the CGI and stuff like that, it'll just be really cool, I think, to see... Uh, people, people were wondering if the helmet is going to be yeah, CGI, he, for example. Yeah, because it's not. He's not wearing it in the photos or test footage. Yeah, yeah I'll be curious what to do with this. Um, again, I wasn't a huge fan of Homecoming. I just thought it was very by the numbers. Uh, but Michael Keaton, no. Michael Keaton's fantastic. <laughs> you know, trust Marvel to hire Batman to make a good villain. <laughs> but um, he is very good in it. I have to say. Yeah. But I just. I don't know, just something... Again, I think a lot of it was down to the advertising. They just showed everything off. Plus, my distaste for Iron Man as well, versed and well-known. Yep. And, you know, Spider-Man 2 is still the zenith for me of Spidey movies. Uh, it's just probably in my top five. Any superhero movies from any studio, top five, easy. <laughs> Spider-Man 2 is a masterpiece. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with it. I mean, the set photos for this... They're not massively interesting, to be honest, no, other just... than confirming the rumour yeah. <laughs> uh, that Gyllenhaal is on board. So, yeah, I like Jake Gyllenhaal as well. Nightcrawler was a fantastic performance. Great movie called End of Watch he's in as well for David Ayer. Um, you know, you go right back even to Donnie Darko and yep. so forth. So he's, he's a very, very solid actor, so I'll be curious to see what he does with it. Um, and then the other one that there's been set photos from and test footage and... Really interesting stuff from, I have to say, is from the Todd Phillips-directed Joker movie. Yep. Uh, now, go back a few months, there was nothing but negativity around this movie. Why is this being made? Why is the guy who directed The Hangover directing this? Why is Joaquin Phoenix playing the Joker? What is DC doing with all these Joker movies? And I have to say, I've never seen such a quick turnaround in opinion <laughs> uh, since they released some test footage from this and also some set photos because... Everyone seems to be on board this now. The test footage really bugs me though because if you'll notice whenever he steps off the train and he's wearing it like a clown mask and he takes it off and you're like... It's like he's clearly messing around with different looks though. That's the thing. There's another set photo released of him looking like an old fashioned clown with like the droopy daisy hanging from a hat and looking like the sad clown. What I like about it is that people are always looking for what a definitive Joker look is. And I like the idea of him sort of searching for that, you know. It seems to be different. For, plus, the Joker at his base level is a jester. So yeah. the idea of him wearing a mask on top of his mask, I just love that. Um, but, like, the, the footage that Todd Phillips released of this slow panning in to Joaquin Phoenix standing in front of a screen. Um, and these images keep, like, flashing over the top of yeah. him. And then it just suddenly cuts and he's done as a joke. That was really unsettling. I thought it was brilliantly done. And... Again, I, I wasn't massively negative about this movie, but I wasn't positive about it. I was sort of like... On the fence? Yeah, I was sort of like wait and see, because I always hope that it will be good. But I think it's looking great. And, you know, admittedly, his look's not a, a world away from Ledger's, but why not? You know, Jared Leto went too far in the opposite direction, or David Iyer, I suppose, more, um, with how he did his Joker, and people didn't seem to like it. This this looks great. I, I still know nothing about the story. But visually, at the very least, I think this movie's going to be yeah, really, looks, really looks interesting. Very like harks back to like the sixties Adam West run of what the Joker looked like, sort of thing, you know. Except yeah. with a bit more tinted makeup. But. Maybe not quite that. I mean, Cesar Romero wasn't 
Cesar Romero was just played for a laugh, you know, his Joker. This looks more sinister than that, I would say. Um, visually, yeah, I mean, it's bright and it's colourful, um, and the Joker really stands out. Um, plus, I just love the detail that his character name is Arthur Fleck. So, shorten that down. Affleck. Oh, yeah. Very clever. I, I don't know if that's an in-joke or they just stumbled onto it or whatever. I, I don't give Warner Brothers a lot of credit. But I thought that was very funny that his character name is Affleck, basically. Ad- Adolf Fleck. If he, was, if he was named Jack Napier, I would have preferred that more. No, uh, Jack Napier's done. You, you're, you're, it would have been cool, though. No, but if you do Jack Napier, right? So people like us who are in the movies and in the comics, yeah. that's fine. We would have thought it was a nice nod general public would have been like is this related to the Batman 89 movie because oh, they think right, of Jack okay. Napier as Jack Nicholson Fair enough. so I, I'm glad they didn't use that name plus the Joker's past the whole idea of him in the comics is that his choice is multiple his past is multiple choice so he could make up any number of names you know this, they're obviously all just pseudonyms yeah. uh, for his real identity so but yeah I think they've, they've released just the right amount of stuff now I think right, just put a lid on it um, you've turned public perception around a bit. Um, you've garnered a bit of goodwill. Now just do a close set yeah, for the next just, six months yeah. and leave it at that. So no doubt by the time I put this out, there'll be like 20 more images released <laughs> and, and all sorts. So, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that now, I have to say. Uh, intriguing, decidedly. Yeah, I think intriguing is probably the right word for it. I mean, I like that they're talking about nods the taxi driver and that sort of tone and Scorsese is on board as a um, producer as well so yeah we'll see we'll see a couple of other bits and bobs just quickly Um, yeah we we managed to actually get James onto a comic book this week Uh, he's been coming now to the store probably a good six to eight months obviously his primary focus is on movies but there was one particular story he overheard me talking about to another customer. And interestingly enough, it's Joker-related as well. Um, a story called Batman White Knight, which finally got collected in trade and was released this week. Uh, it's proven just as popular in the trade as it did in the singles. You know, All of our copies sold out by Close of Business Wednesday. Uh, went really, really quickly. One of those lucky enough to pick it up was James. Uh, so Batman White Knight, just for those who don't know, story written and drawn by Sean Murphy. The whole idea of it is that the Joker has these pills that he can take that will make him sane. And he decides to run for mayor of Gotham so that he can basically take Batman down through legal means. You know, he points out to people, you know, yes, you like this hero, this vigilante. Look at the property damage he costs. That's tax dollars. That's money coming out of your pocket. You're paying for Batman to destroy the city and it being fixed and all this kind of stuff. So it's, it's a really interesting plan from the Joker because the whole idea is that he wants to turn public perception against him. And of course, Batman the whole time is just thinking, you know, what's his real motive here? So, uh, yeah, what were, your, what were your impressions? I absolutely loved it. Like, I literally went home. Um, as you know, I came and picked it up in the morning, went home, had, had it finished within an hour. I just couldn't put it down. As soon as I started reading it, I was like, oh my God. Sign of any good story. Like, it's just everything from... You know, the opening of it, uh, you know, it's because it opens up, you know, like from the, like the end sort of, and then yeah. back to the start, yeah. <clears throat> and I love a story that does that, because then you're like, oh, how did it get to here? Yeah, you and know then, what it's building towards. Yeah, and then it kind of just took off from there, and I was just like, this is really incredible writing. And yeah. the, you know, the art style of it, you know, I, I don't know my artists of comics, obviously, like you guys would, but I just you know it was really cool, and 
you know, a couple of wee subtle nods you noticed in the artwork to like the animated series. Yeah. Different things. Just amazing. I I just loved it. Easter but, eggs all over the place with it. Yeah. That's one of the great things about it. Great respect for the past, for the you know, the source material that came before <laughs> it. What I love about White Knight is that it's one of those rare titles where the artist and writer is the same person. So exactly what they're writing, that's what is put on the page. Normally a writer will write their script and then a artist will interpret it. So maybe they don't always get what the writer was trying to say in the first place. Whereas when you have something like this, it just uh, what is on the page is exactly what they wanted to put in the page. So uh, yeah, I absolutely love White Knight. I've told so many people about it. Um, I've got more copies ordered in for next week. So don't don't miss out on that. It's a brilliant title. Um, and then the other one he also picked up, another personal favourite of mine, we're starting off with the good stuff, <laughs> is a series called Lock and Key. Now Lock and Key is an original series written and created by uh, Joe Hill. Joe Hill, for those who don't know, he is Stephen King's son. Um, he went with his mother's name because he didn't want to, not that he didn't want to be associated with his dad's name, but he didn't want to have A, the pressure of it, and B, have doors open for him just because he was Stephen King's son. He wanted to prove his worth through his own ability and his own writing. So he's written plenty of prose novels, things like Nosferatu, The Fireman, Hardship Box, uh, Hardship Box Strange Weather. But he's also written a couple of different comic series. He wrote a great one called Wraith, which is actually linked to Nosferatu. Um, but his masterpiece is without a doubt Lock and Key, uh, which is done with an artist called Gabriel Rodriguez. Ran for it ran for a good eight or nine years. I think there's seven volumes in total off the top of my head. They've consistently tried to turn it into a TV show uh, with little. They've the filmed two pilots so far and just they, they don't seem to have nailed the tone of it quite so well. But they're now doing a third attempt and Joe Hill's on board as a writer and producer, so hopefully he can guide that and it'll uh, turn into a show. Because it, it massively deserves to be one. Oh, yeah. Like you can just tell, like it's so damn dark and the yeah. the opening pages I was just immediately like, Yep, this is Joe Hill. Like this is absolutely one hundred percent Joe Hill. You know, for any of you who've read his books maybe or if you know, I don't know if you're big into reading, but uh you'll know especially not so much the fireman. The fireman's more a thriller, but especially with Hardship Box, it's so creepy. Like it's mm-hmm. just there's certain, you know, pages within it and you're just like if you can visualize it well enough, you know, you're just like, that is absolutely terrifying. And this book, or well, sorry, comic just opens up and it's the exact same thing. It's just like, Jesus Christ. It's one of those, <laughs> any good writer, any good horror writer or thriller writer is all about exposing <clears throat> your worst fears. And the opening of Lock and Key has uh, the main character's family being threatened. And that's a fear we can all get on board with, you know, those close to us, loved ones, and then perhaps them being taken away from us in these sort of incidents. And, Joe Hill's just really good at tapping into that kind of thing because the opening, the opening issue is so uncomfortable to read, but it's so riveting. You have to read it. It's like, I don't know. It's, it might be a bad thing in a way, but I think <laughs> Joe Hill massively influenced American Horror Story, and they've tried to capture what he captured in this book first. Um, because I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of American Horror Story. It's a bit, a bit too pristine for my liking. Whereas this is quite grimy and dirty and um, yeah, Lock and Keys. It's very Lovecraftian, um, very gothic and uh, yeah, highly recommend it as well. It's another one we always keep in the store. We'll always have the number ones there and uh, have those on the shelves. So, 
But uh, yeah, we'll maybe wrap it up there for this week. Um, obviously, Venom reviews, some previews, bit of set photos stuff, and we even fit in some comic stuff. Look Yay. at that. Um, so yeah, <laughs> we'll change. we'll just close it up there before a postman comes in and ruins our flow. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure we'll it'll not be too long before we're back again. So uh, just want to say cheers and uh, see you guys soon. See you again. Bye. Mm-hmm.